0: Join Dr. David Jeremiah live online this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, streaming from Orlando, Florida, for a one night event with musical guest Voices of Lee. Be part of this free live stream Thursday at DavidJeremiah.org. As the nations of the world seem to be racing toward greater conflict, even annihilation, what should Christians be doing in response? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah examines Jesus' prophecy that his followers would hear of wars and rumors of wars in Earth's final days. From the world of the end, here's David to introduce today's message in a world of war. Be calm. And I want to thank
1: you for joining us today. This is Turning Point. We are in the very beginning of the teaching of a brand new series Uh, based on a brand new book called The World of the End. Actually, the book's full title is It's Not the End of the World, But It Is the World of the End. And we're learning how this prophecy of Jesus that he gave on the Mount of Olivet uh, affects all of our priorities. We have talked about the world of deceit and how that is a reminder to us to be honest now today we begin a uh, two parts study of Jesus' words when he said And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. What does that mean? And how is what is happening today in our world preparing us for the realization of that prophecy being fulfilled, parts of it perhaps even in our own lifetime? I want to tell you that we have this new book that just came out. I have one of the first copies of the book in my hand. We have a few of them delivered to our office here, most of them to our warehouse. But uh, the book is called The World of the End, and it's our resource for the month of October, which means when you send a gift this month to help us with the cost of airtime and production, simply say, please send me the book, and it'll be on its way. It's our way of saying thank you. You can get this book through Turning Point by doing that, or you can get it in any of the major bookstores across the country. All the big stores have it, and no matter where you live, you can get this book, and I hope that you will get it and read it carefully. We're in a time of major decisions, and we need to have those decisions informed by what the Scripture says and by what Jesus said. That's what I hope will happen as you read this book. Well, today we're going to begin two days of discussion on Jesus' words uh, that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. I'm going to save what he said about that until the end. It's quite amazing. Let's begin. If you're able to visit the Karnak Temple Complex in Central Egypt, you will view some of the oldest ruins in history decayed temples, chapels, and residences. On the wall of one of the temples, you'll see Egyptian hieroglyphics which have been translated by linguists, and these ancient etchings provide a description of the first recorded war in the history of the world. This war wasn't really the first conflict in the history of the world. It was the first recorded conflict in the history of the world, written in enduring form. The battle took place on April the Sixteenth, back in 1457, between Pharaoh Tutmos III and a coalition of Canaanite tribes, both armies boasted about 10,000 men, and they retreated into the walled city known as Megiddo. The Egyptians lay siege to the city and took it in seven months. All of that's kind of interesting, but not as interesting to me as the location of this war. You see, I've given you some clues, so take a guess. Where did this battle happen? The battle between Egypt and the Canaanites, the first recorded battle in world history, occurred in the Valley of Armageddon. This conflict is commonly called the Battle of Megiddo, and I've visited the ruins of Megiddo many times when I've been in Israel. From the top of Tel Megiddo, you can view the Valley of Jezreel, known as the Valley of Armageddon. It's the breadbasket of Israel, a perfect agricultural plain that yields huge amounts of barley and wheat and oranges and others. But throughout history, the Valley of Megiddo has been the scene of countless battles. As many as 200 different battles have been fought. Some have said it's the perfect battleground in all of the world. And it's here that the Antichrist will set up his forward operating base in the final war of history, which we all know as the Battle of Armageddon. So interesting to me. Stop and think about it for a moment. Our planet has a land surface of more than 57 million square miles. And yet the first and last recorded battles in history are fought in the very same place. These two wars are like bookends (laughs) in a history of warfare. Between them is volume after volume of the bloody battles that mar the human story Our conflicts. In his message on the world of the end, Jesus warned that dissension would increase and global warfare would envelop the world in mounting measure. Here's what he said in Matthew 24 as he gave the sermon to his four disciples on Mount Olivet. He said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. I know that all of you believe, as I do, that war is a curse. According to an article in the New York Times, the world has been at peace for only 268 out of the past 3,400 years. In other words, only 8% of our history has been peaceful. No one knows how many people have died in times of war the Times speculated that at least 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century alone, and some believe that over a billion people have lost their lives during the military conflicts that have pockmarked history like bomb craters. C.S. Lewis, who we quote often here, knew the curse of war. During World War I, he was sent to the front lines in France After a few weeks there, he was hospitalized with a bout of trench fever. When he was discharged from the hospital, he immediately returned to the front lines where three months later he was wounded in three places by an exploding shell that actually killed the sergeant who was standing next to him. Lewis carried those experiences with him for the rest of his life. And when World War II arrived, he wrote these words, My memories of the last war haunted my dreams for years. Military service to be plain includes the threat of every temporal evil, pain, and death, which is what we fear from sickness, isolation from those we love, which is what we fear from exile, toil under arbitrary masters, which is what we fear from slavery, hunger, thirst, and exposure, which is what we fear from poverty. He said, I'm not a pacifist, but If it's got to be, it's got to be. The flesh is weak and selfish, and I think death would be much better than to live through another war. We have a lot of military people in our church, both in present service and having served. If you've experienced war at any level, you know exactly what C.S. Lewis is talking about. War is an awful thing. But war is not the worst thing. I will never forget the first time I read this statement. War is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things. The decayed state of moral and patriotic feeling, which thinks nothing is worth a war, that's worse. A man who has nothing which he cares about more than his own personal safety is a miserable creature and has no chance of being free unless he's made free and kept so, by the exertions of better men than himself. And while war is awful, and war brings so much sadness and pain, if it had not been for those who were willing to fight, we would not be free. And we are grateful today. Nobody wants war, but nobody wants a world that is not worth sacrifice. And freedom doesn't come free. It comes at great expense. Because the curse of war is so great, philosophers have long searched for the reason for it. What is the cause of war? Why do wars happen? The problem is in the human heart. And we can trace it back to the moment of Adam and Eve when they disobeyed God. The vertical rupture created a horizontal rupture between one person and another. And from that day forward, history and the pages of the Bible have been marked by war. In fact, the Old Testament is full of war. The word for war occurs more than 300 times in the Old Testament Scriptures. And more than 200 times in the Old Testament, Jehovah God is called the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies. After Moses and the children of Israel escaped the clutches of Pharaoh through the intervention of Jehovah, they sang this song. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And many of God's great servants were military men, Saul, David, Moses, Gideon, many of the kings of Israel. This was the testimony of King David. He said, Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I think this is really incredibly important because oftentimes I hear things being said about warriors, modern-day warriors, that just aren't true. And sometimes in the culture in which you and I live, to be a military man is not to be honored as it once was. The Bible honors military men. The Bible honors soldiers. It does not honor war, but it honors those who are willing to fight war so that good may happen. The point is often made that while in the Old Testament there's a lot of war, when you get to the New Testament in the time of Christ, war disappears, but that's not true. If you read the New Testament, you discover that while war is not as prevalent as in the Old Testament, when a soldier appears on the pages of the New Testament scripture, he appears with commendation and appreciation. In fact, there are five Roman centurions whose lives are told in the New Testament. If you read all their stories, they're all positive. There's no negative connotation to war in the New Testament, as some would say. In fact, the apostles, if you remember, used the language of war on many occasions to illustrate the believer's sojourn. They spoke of lusts that war in your members. They instructed their followers to abstain from fleshly lusts. They were told that through Christ, they could become conquerors and they could triumph. Timothy was encouraged by Paul to war a good warfare, and these are just a few of the uses of war as a picture of how we have to live every day. (laughs) Could I just stop and say, sometimes we just have to admit, every day is like a war. Can I get a witness? (laughs) I mean, in some aspect or another, perhaps more so than now, let's just say we're in an inflation war. (laughs) All kinds of different wars, and we have to be soldiers, and we can't be timid, and we have to get up every day, whether we feel like it or not, and go fight the war. I think it's safe to say that because of the conflict between good and evil that originated in the Garden of Eden, war has become a major theme in the human story. And James chapter 4 tells us where it all starts. Listen to these words. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust, and you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. In other words, war comes from our human desire to have that which is not ours. Could I just ask you to lay that template across the war in Ukraine? Because that's what that's all about. It's about a man who wants something that's not his. And he's willing to sacrifice the lives of men and women, old and young, because of the covetousness of his own evil heart. Say it. And say it again, it's true. War comes from the evil in a man's heart, in the heart of a person. And the course of war, men and women, is something to behold. And as we sit here today in comfort and safety, were it not for the provision of God, we would all be in a war somewhere. (laughs) Having looked at the curse and the cause of war, let's look at its course It started with Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And throughout history, the technology has increased until the world today has enough firepower to kill everyone on earth many times over. And that brings us to the words of Jesus again in Matthew 24. This is what he said. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. As the time comes for Jesus to return, there will be an escalation of Verbiage about war that's Jesus statement remarkably. He spoke those words during a time of prolonged peace if You've studied history. You've heard of Pax Romana, which is Roman peace and Jesus lived on this earth during a portion of that time when he spoke these words about the coming of war he was living in a time of peace Few people would have predicted the return and acceleration of international warfare at a time like that. Usually don't talk about war when things are peaceful, but Jesus did because Jesus knew what was ahead. He unequivocally told his disciples, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars when the time comes for my return. Get ready because it will be introduced by the escalation of intensity and frequency of war speak. And are we living in that day? We surely are. Jesus was telling his disciples they would hear of actual wars and of reports of other wars. In other words, you will hear about wars far away, and you will hear the sound of wars close by, and the wars will come to you, to your gates, to your cities. One translation translates this phrase, you are going to hear the noise of battles close by and the news of battles far away. Some of the biblical scholars who have commented on the phrase wars and rumors of wars have said that the earliest use of that phrase was a description of world war. In other words, when the writers wrote wars and rumors of wars, they were talking about world war. If that's the meaning of the phrase, Jesus was telling us and his disciples that before he returned the second time, there would be another world war. And in the last few months, I've heard that spoken about just about more than ever I can remember. People are lining up the nations and talking about where they would be and what would happen if this took place. And the idea of a world war gets discussed. I don't remember that until just recent times. Are we headed toward World War III? (laughs) Some military experts think so, and it's possible that Jesus said so. So I don't know. In either case, the idea is there will be wars everywhere which will increase in intensity and scope and fearfulness as we draw close to the time when Jesus comes back. So where are we today? Today, the Russian invasion of Ukraine slogs on with heartbreaking images on television every night. Vladimir Putin has amassed the world's largest collection of nuclear weapons and threatens to use them if I have to. China's surrounding Taiwan with warships as the communist government conducts war games and drills. China expert Evan Osnes argues that China is preparing to shape the 21st century like the United States shaped the 20th century. Another China watcher, Rush Dashi wrote, China now poses a challenge unlike any other the United States has ever faced. Pakistan, India now possess nuclear weapons, and the wrong provocation at the wrong time could trigger it all. At this time, nine countries are known to possess nuclear weapons, and the global inventory is estimated at 13,000. The warheads on just one U.S. nuclear-armed submarine have seven times the destructive power of all the bombs dropped during World War II. You heard me. On just one submarine, and currently there are 10 such American submarines prowling around the world's oceans, there's more firepower than all the bombs that were dropped, even the ones in Japan. And the oceans are filled with submarines from other nations carrying equal payloads. A new arms race has begun with nearly all nuclear powers working overtime to increase their arsenals. China has an estimated 350 nuclear warheads assigned to missiles, all of which are capable of reaching the United States. The United Kingdom has 225. I could go on and give you the list. I'm just telling you that we live in a time when armament is like it has never been before. Someone says, what about Israel? And the answer to that is, Israel never discusses its nuclear capabilities. But you can be sure They're ready for whatever happens. Now, the Lord has given us a vision into the future in Matthew 24 and in the book of Revelation. And he says that at any moment, Jesus is going to come for his church. And then the events of Matthew 24 that have been growing in intensity and frequency will give birth to a series of war like nothing has ever happened before in human history. I'm not trying to be negative, I'm not trying to scare you. What I'm trying to do is help you understand that we live in a perilous time. That's the context in which I want to give you the major message from this particular story. We have conflicts, but we have confidence. I don't like war any more than you do. I wish there was something I could do. We've all talked about this a lot as we've gotten ready into this series. I wish I could do something. There isn't anything I can do to stop war. There's not anything you can do to stop war. And there's no reason to worry about it because there's nothing you can do about it. But here's what you can do, and this is what this is all about, and this is what I hope you will get today. You can become the person of God that he created you to be so that no matter what happens, you're ready to stand up and be God's person. And our confidence becomes so powerful because Jesus summarized all that he wants us to know. In fact, if you read this scripture that we've read, I skimmed over it because I didn't want to give it away too soon, but I want you to hear what Jesus said. We would have expected him to say, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, so be prepared for trouble. Or we would have expected him to say, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, keep an anxious eye on the times. Expect to feel uneasy and prepare for the many foes and the woes to come But that is not what jesus said Jesus said you will hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not troubled. Are you kidding me? I mean, I just gave you a pretty dire report and Jesus is saying to us at the end of this report Y'all don't be troubled Sometimes the scripture just Almost makes you laugh The Greek word for troubled means to be terrified means to cry loud. It means to scream Jesus is telling us not to panic Even when we are surrounded by wars and rumors of wars. How is that possible? How can you live in a world like we live in today and not be troubled? Well, here's the answer It's all wrapped up in the peace that you find in God's promise in God's presence And in God's plan, you know, folks. As I was writing this, uh, the war was uh, raging in Ukraine, and I looked at the the awfulness of war there—people being killed, and mass burials, and explosions in buildings, and little children um, um, being destroyed—and and I thought to myself, Jesus is saying, "You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but." see that you not be troubled. I was troubled that day. But I realize if we keep our eyes on the events that are around us, we will be troubled. And the response from all of this is to remember who is saying these things. Jesus is the one who brings peace into war-torn worlds, and we're learning to do what we need to do to make sure he is in control in our lives. We'll have part two of this tomorrow from Matthew 24, 6, and 7. I want to let you know that this Thursday we're going to be in uh, Orlando, Florida at the Amway Center, and we hope you will come and be with us. We are so excited about that. These events that we're having this fall are some of the best we've ever done, and uh, you don't want to miss any of them with special guests and music and all kinds of wonderful things that are happening. So be sure to get your tickets by going to davidjeremiah.org slash tours. Get the tickets you will prayerfully use. Be sure to come and join us once again in Orlando, Florida at the Amway Center this coming Thursday night. And then let me remind you, on the 20th, the following week, we'll be in Greenville, South Carolina. Take a couple of weeks off and be in Buffalo on Friday, November the 11th. I'm David Jeremiah. Thank you for joining us. This is Turning Point. We'll see you next time.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The World of the End, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's powerful new book, The World of the End how Jesus' prophecy shapes our priorities. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The World of the End, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible.
1: I came across an interesting way to contrast the difference between greed and grace. When we look at what we want and compare it with what we have, that often results in greed. But when we think about what we deserve and compare it with what we have, that can only be called grace. That may sound harsh, but it's the truth. The Bible says we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we deserved judgment. Instead, we've been blessed beyond all measure. What we have may not be what we want, but it's a whole lot more than we deserve. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's grace on Route 66.
0: Route 66, driving the word home